Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everybody, thanks for locking on the latest edition of Gunner One, the podcast. It is powered by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. Well, you know, the NFL is a beautiful thing, man. And uh, this season, it is more unpredictable than ever before. Uh, the Eagles are a true testament of that. This team has been up, down, back up, and now they're down again. And so uh, for this particular podcast, to talk about the Eagles and, of course, the state of the NFL, I brought in a man I've known for a long time, basically ever since I got to Philadelphia. Uh, he is a good friend of mine. Uh, we have both uh, uh, knee deep into the digital platform. Now, this guy, at one point, longtime executive in the NFL, including with the Philadelphia Eagles. Then he transitioned into television, ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, NFL Network. I don't know what the heck else he's done. Now he's knee deep in the digital world. He's basically a co-host for the Vegas Stats and Information Network, a show called The Lombardi Line. He has his own podcast out called The GM Shuffle, and he writes for the Daily Coach Morning Newsletter. He is Mike Lombardi. Man, it has been a long time since we have chatted. How you doing, my friend? Uh, we're doing good, Gunner. You know, we used to sit in front of the Spectrum there. Remember, we'd go over there and, and do the broadcast right there? Yes. Right in Wells Fargo, at Wells Fargo. I called it the Spectrum. But, yeah, that was a long time ago. Comcast was just getting started, too, when we were doing that. I just got fired. It was 97. I just got fired from the Eagles, you know, after we drafted uh, Trey Thomas. and uh, I still never forget that. Drafted Trey Thomas, Alan Rossum, Jeremiah Trotter, wow. Brandon Whiting. You know, all those guys, Ike Reese, and I got fired. Wait a minute. You got fired after that stellar class? Are you kidding me? Yeah, we got, I got fired. That's when they brought Modrak in. Wow. They wanted to be like the Steelers. They wanted to be like the Steelers, so they fired me for Modrak. 
Wow, that, that, that that's crazy. And, and that's, here, what, that's when you and I were doing the show. That's the last time you and I were doing the show. Comcast just got started. 1997. And I, was in trans, I was in transition, and then I was working at CBS, and I came back. I would drive from CBS down. You and I would do something every Monday. Jeez, my goodness, man. Time it's flies, that man. long ago, wow. Yeah. My yeah. goodness, man. And look, you know what? You haven't changed a bit. You still look as young as ever. Oh, thank you. Me, I, I, no, I have. I've, well, I spent 10 years without Davis. That'll age anybody. <laughs> trust me. I can promise you that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and did you ever think you would be knee-deep in this so-called digital platform? Man, I fought this tooth and nail. I wanted nothing to do with digital. And here I am. Here you are. Did you ever think you'd be doing a lot of this stuff now? No. I, I mean, I thought I would write. I, I knew that, you know, I was, I was smart enough to, and aware enough to know that I worked for some really talented people. And so I knew I would I wanted to write. But this whole thing and then, you know, doing Vegas Stats and Information Network where people are actually asking you for betting advice, which I don't bet. Right. I, don't, I make it clear. I don't make a bet. But I, I know what I do is I, I break down teams for a living. That's what I've always done in my NFL career. So it just kind of flowed right into that. So, no, I mean, I go over to Borgata on Sunday, Saturdays and Sundays, do a show from there and and I live here in Ocean City, so it's great. I, I never thought this would all come. And I've had a second career after, you know, I spent 35 years in the NFL. I won three Super Bowls. So I've had like this second career that I'm just happy as hell about. Now, how much did you fight it before you finally gave in to it? I didn't really fight it because I, I, I didn't understand it. But the, the, yeah. the Twitter stuff, I, I, I had been involved with that. I hated that <laughs> because, you know, there's a bunch of everybody's a genius with an eraser. You know, and so I didn't really, you know, and this has just been like these one on ones is more comfortable for me than yeah. going on doing doing Comcast where you talk, you talk, you talk commercial. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was never really you never could say anything. You never could really explain yourself. It was, you know, you talk, you talk commercial. Let's come back. We got two thirty and, you know, I got a bumper here and read that. You know, it was too, too hard, man. You know, this I'm, is better. You I, can talk. I know. And look, you don't have to wear a suit and tie. You don't no. have to, you don't have to shave if you don't want to. You have to get makeup on. No, no. It's just guys sitting here talking, having fun, and hopefully making some money, right? That's hopefully so. And entertain <laughs> and, and educate people, you know, and trying yeah. to get you know, and trying to get the narrative to a point where people understand it. You know, it's like you know, you watch so much of the the, the national coverage and the narrative. You know, nobody wants to say anything negative about anybody. So yeah, the narrative yeah. never really gets the, the fan gets cheated. Yeah. Not that you want to rip a player or rip a coach, but there's really you could explain the game in a lot better way than have to be all positive or all, you know, and or say nothing. You know, but I'm like you in this regard, man. I, I still I still don't like social media, I mean, but <laughs> but you have to be a part of it to stay relevant. In the game, for the most part, but you're like you're right, man. Every time you say something, you have some smart aleck out there who thinks they know more than you do. Yeah, that's right. But you know, the thing, social media has been great. I've met some incredible people. Same here through Twitter. Yep, people that helped me out, people that have been a big part of my life going back for, for since I started. So I, I mean, you take the good with the bad. And yeah. I'm grateful for it. And and we started Coach Rav and I, George Ravling, who played at Villanova, uh, a Hall of Fame coach was at Iowa, Washington State, USC. He's actually a fascinating man, Gunner. Coach Rav was on the stage when Dr. King was was giving the I Have a Dream speech. Mm -hmm. And when Dr. King walked off the stage, 
Coach Rive walked up to him and said, can I have a copy of that speech? Mm -hmm. And Dr. King folded it in half and gave it to him. And he and I became friends going back to when I was at CBS days. And when I was living in Los Angeles doing this, doing this streaming stuff uh, and writing a book, writing my book, he and I started having lunch and dinner together quite often. And that's how we kind of got into the daily coach, which has been a real blessing for me to be able to do that every day. You know, it's funny you brought him up because a former co-worker of mine and a good friend, Ron Burke, you remember Ron Burke? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, Ron Burke and uh, photographer Jerry Hines went out to uh, Coach's house in California and did a great series on him about having a copy oh, yeah. of that speech. And what It was a phenomenal uh, story they did on him, man. So I, I know what you're talking about. I would love to see that. Oh, my God, I would love to see that. Oh, was that for Comcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was when Comcast was spent a little money then. Yeah, exactly. That was when we were Real Sports Network back then. <laughs> or, or correction, they were a real sports work and sports network yeah. back then, you know. But you know, man, you you have thirty five years in the NFL game. Yeah. Why are you not in the NFL game today? Oh, I think a lot of it is you know the NFL is a very political arena. Yeah. You know, yeah. and Bill Walsh told me in '84, this is not about the best of the brightest. You got to be politically connected. You got to have a godfather. You got to have somebody who's going to help you. It's not about how much football you know. Yeah, it's about who you know. And, and I'm happy. I'm content. I mean, the best years of my life were I went back in the league in 13 and I went to work with, with Joe Banner at Cleveland and we got fired after a year. And that was the greatest thing that ever happened because I got to go spend the next three years with Coach Belichick up in New England and win two more Super Bowls. And really at the, at, really at the end of the day, fulfill my career. So I'm really content. I, I, don't, I don't need it. I don't crave it. I watch it. And I talk about it, you know, and and my sons are involved. I have one son who coaches at the at the Patriots and I have another son who coaches at the Panthers. So I'm involved with those teams and I feel like I'm involved without having to be day to day. I was going to ask you, did you miss it? And obviously you don't. I don't. I really enjoy the writing. Like, yeah. I love the daily. Coach. I love doing that. I mean, we've built we've built something. Coach Rav and I, along with Kamadi and Alec, the uh, Trevor, five of us together have built uh, something from nothing into 30,000 email subscribers every morning. So it's been a, that's been fun. And then writing the book to me, Gunner, was a was a way to it was a way of 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 feeling, you know, personally that you just kind of feel contented about what you did. It's the book's not about me. It's about what I've learned. But it gave you it gave me personal freedom. Mm. That's right. I forgot you're a big time author now. How how did the book do? How is it still doing? The book did really do. The book continues to sell. The book's a the book's a uh, it's a book about leadership that's disguised as a football book. It's really about leadership. It's about culture. Okay. It's about how to build a great culture. And around Walsh and around Belichick and without Davis in there, it, I learned how to build a great culture. How organizations should run and how they best run. Wow, I can't wait to read it. You know, I'm I'm terrible when it comes to reading novels, but because it's you, now I'm going to be forced oh, to read a novel. See, I got to go out I, and get I the book. I will send you one. How's that? All right, fine. And I promise you, I okay. promise you, I'll read it. I always tell this story about the last novel I ever bought was Howard Cosell's "I Never Played the Game," and that book came out yeah. back in the early '80s. I'm still in chapter one of that book. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, you'll get past chapter one of my. I um, promise you, know, you, you can give me a test I on it. it. 
Yes. If you send me a copy, I guarantee you I will read it. Okay. All right. So now, you know, I got to ask you about these Philadelphia Eagles. And and let's start with with this head coach, uh, Nick Sirianni. Uh, Started out great, first game of the season. Went through some tough waters. All of a sudden, they uh, found their identity, a running game. And then, of course, uh, they hit a roadblock, an unexpected roadblock against the Giants this past Sunday. Let's go back to the beginning. When the Eagles were um, undergoing this this transition, so to speak, were you surprised that Nick Sirianni was the chosen one for this organization to lead it into the future? You know, it, it, part of me, yes. You know, because I know Josh McDaniels really well, and and I know how smart Josh is, and I know how well prepared Josh is mm-hmm. to become a head coach. And I've worked with Josh, so this wasn't I was friends with Josh and didn't know Nick. I mean. I knew Josh's career. And so they took a guy that, you know, that I've always said this about the Eagles and not in any negative fashion, but the Eagles truly believe the organization will carry the coach, not the coach carry the organization. And and I'm from the other school. I'm from the head coach carries the organization. So Josh would have been the guy to carry the organization. So it wasn't going to be a good marriage. Whereas Nick, you know, they, Nick is going to need help in so many other areas to mm-hmm. become a head coach as he's learning on the job. But that's what I think Philly really wants. So at the end of the day, it didn't really surprise me. It did surprise me, but at the end of the day, it didn't because it fits what they want to do. Jeffrey wants to build a collaborative organization. And to do that, you need somebody who doesn't have a lot of bias in certain areas and somebody who doesn't have strong opinions in a lot of areas. So I think he sees this job as collaborative more than a dictatorship. Mm. And that's why Doug Peterson is no longer there. Doug was was a good company man initially, but once he got a little clout, won a Super Bowl, uh, obviously he he had he became a little bit more opinionated and you know, thus right. the two had to go their separate ways. Right. And what and what I said what I said about Doug originally, you know, he wasn't he wasn't qualified to be a head coach. I think that was what they wanted. They wanted yeah. somebody like Seriani to mold into it. And then Doug became through the organization. I mean, I think Frank Wright had a lot to do there, Gunner. And I, I think that once Doug didn't want to play that role of any longer, that became a problem. You know, when you made the comments about Doug Peterson, man, it, it caught fire in a hurry, you know. Yeah. And, and I know you took a lot of heat for it. And, all, and lo and behold, they go on and win the Super Bowl that year. Um how long did it take before the dust settled before people started, I don't want to use the word attacking you, but, you know, uh, chastising you for the comments you made? Well, I mean, I think, you know, look, you always have people that are going to chastise you. I mean, people still blame me for drafting uh, Jamar Russell, Jamarcus Russell at the Raiders. I wasn't even in the draft. Wow. You know, people blame me for drafting uh, Johnny Manziel when I had been fired from Cleveland. People are just stupid with facts I mean, yeah. they just love to blame it you know so you just you don't do you know who cares what they say i mean i, I think to me uh you know i think people that understood the game of like the people that know knew and i think over time it proved to be correct i think that once he lost frank you know i think doug needs a lot of good support system yeah and his ego can't let that support system not affect him i mean you know, it'll be interesting if he gets another head coaching job, how he approaches that. It'd be interesting to see if he takes a coordinator's job, if he gets a coordinator's job. Yeah. Wow. All right. So so we get back to, to the team at hand. And once you watch this team go through the transformation it has gone through, a uh, new coach, 
commitment to a young, basically untested quarterback who was about to uh, take the nesty plunge, so to speak, in a whole new offense after spending his previous four games in the NFL under a different offensive scheme. Uh, the the youth movement they were going on sprinkled in with the veterans. Uh, wh- what were your expectations of this team before the season started this year? You know, because they were really good in the offensive defensive lines, I thought they would be competitive in all the games. I mean, if they could keep their if they could keep healthy, which has been a real, real issue going on, staying healthy. And I think we saw in the beginning of the year, particularly in the offensive line, Lane Johnson had that issue, the, the off-the-field issue in terms of mental health, which he needed to correct and got that. Yep. And some of the other injuries that went through. I think we saw a lot of their problems early were because they weren't didn't have their team together. Now, I think with their team together, I think they're a middle-of-the-pack team uh, with no passing game. Mm. With no passing game, with it. You know, in the last seven weeks, they've only thrown for 200 yards one time. You know, and I think what we saw yesterday as we taped this on Monday, you know, the Giants dared him to beat him throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's Jalen has struggled. I mean, look, he got benched in the, shirt, in, in the championship game because they went to two to throw the ball. Now, that doesn't mean he's still that player because he went to Oklahoma and threw the ball. But I think he's going to have to prove to people that he can throw the football effectively mm-hmm. because – you're not going to be able to win running the single. They're running Oklahoma's offense. Let's be real honest here. They're running Oklahoma's offense. They're running the single wing. Wow. I never looked at it like that. Wow. Well, you know, Nick Sirianni came out and said basically they were streamlining the offense to a comfort level for Jalen Hurts. So when you say it like that, and when you really think about it, I guess they are running basically what he ran they at are, Oklahoma. They're running, they're, they're running the same Oklahoma. Because what people misconstrue about Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley is or or – you know, I know this is a dirty word, or the Chip Kelly off. It's a run-based offense. Yep. They, they want to run the ball. They want to run it. I mean, I mean, they want to run it. There's passes, but the protection scheme and the passing game is very limited. The quarterback has to be the runner. And can he make plays on the move? Oh, of course. And and that's when we see Hurts really excels, when he can make – when the play breaks down, he takes off. Mm. But when he's in the two-minute drill like he was yesterday – I mean, he's staring down the, the guy he wants to throw the ball mm-hmm. to. And, and the safeties get good jumps on it. That's going to be the challenge. I mean, I think I think the biggest credit you must give Philadelphia, the Eagles this year, is they changed defensively their approach. Because in the five games that they played against Herbert, Brady, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, mm-hmm. and uh, one other great. One other great Dak Prescott? Uh, uh, and Prescott, yep. those five. There, there was only 28 incompletions in those five games. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So the, they've really done a good job of trying to be more disruptive with their secondary, changing their coverage. They play a lot of weak safety cover three, or they'll play cover two. Or then now they're starting to play a little man with some blitzes mixed up. Into so they're evolving, and it's giving people some problem, and they're helping their defensive line not have to carry the weight. I think they've done a better job. It'll be interesting when they play. They haven't played an elite quarterback. I mean, Daniel's quarterback, you, you know, and so, hmm. you know, when they play it, Teddy Bridgewater is not an elite quarterback. When they play an elite guy, can they play good enough defensively? But I got to give them credit for the change transformation offensively and defensively. I mean, look, you've been around the Eagles long enough to know Jeffrey Laurie owns the team, and he believes the forward pass leads you to points. And I believe with that, too. And that's why most of Philadelphia hates all the running. 
but they've changed what they're doing to accommodate their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's what they really want to do, but it's best for what they do right now. When you look at Jalen Hurts' makeup, obviously at this stage, he still has some flaws. Uh, prime example, the interception he threw at the goal line should have thrown it away. Uh, the one he threw deep, he underthrew it, so obviously his arm strength is in question. And then you look at that last play of the game. I've looked at that last play 10, 11 times, and you see Devonta Smith on a crossing route. He's wide open down the far sideline. Jalen had time to find him, but he goes down the middle, and Jalen Rager should have caught the ball, but he dropped it. Um, but do you think Jalen Hurts has the makeup to be an everyday starter in the National Football League, or is he better suited as his career continues to be, I don't. I hate to say just a backup, but kind of like a, a, a Trevor Simeon, a, a journeyman like that across the league? I think he needs specific offense. Okay. I think he needs to run Oklahoma's offense. I, I think, you know, when they practice plays in Philadelphia, if he throws the ball to the guy in practice, that's who he's going to throw the ball to. He needs it's, – it, it has nothing to do with intellect. This is all about rhythm. This is all about timing. This is all about when your mama lifts you from the crib, you're either a quarterback or you're not. This is all those things. Jalen's the guy who has to see a guy open to throw it. He's never – when he was at Alabama, he held the ball and he could hold the ball and he would throw it when he saw the guy open. And it's the same thing now. I think you either have to be all in with Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Or it's hard to bring him off the bench and say, okay, we're going to run a pro-style passing attempt, and Jalen, you be the backup. Mm. That's not going to work. I think you saw it last year. When they benched Wentz, they went way more to an RPO scheme. It's a little bit with Nick Foles. Nick Foles is very similar. Nick Foles is you either run the RPO scheme or you don't run anything. Mm. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's what it is. You got to run Nick. That's why I remember when Nick Foles took over the when Wentz got hurt. Yep. The Raider game here at the stadium, they struggled. Well, well Peterson eventually just went, okay, screw it. We're just going to go RP. We're going to do this because this is what Foles does best. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit with Hurts, too. I don't think, you know, so that to answer your question, he can be a really valuable commodity, but you've got to adapt your offense. Mm-hmm. He's never going to be a drop back pure passer. Just, I just, it wasn't at Oklahoma, it wasn't at Alabama, and it hasn't been in his career here in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And you can cut down the mistakes, but when you have to throw the ball in two minutes and he has to read it out and what Patrick Graham did to him, the defense coordinator of the giants, the way he built that pass rush to contain him in the pocket, it makes it hard on him. Mm. So, so as an individual, what does Jalen hurts need to do to take his game to that next level? And does he have the makeup within to do that? I think he's got to become a better passer more accurate passer, okay. a better decision maker. He's, it's got to become it's got to become, boom, it's about a rhythm. Playing quarterback with Bill Walsh used to talk about was like a boxer. There has to be a rhythm to the punches, and there has to be a rhythm to his game, and he doesn't play within a rhythm. But what he does do by the play-action pass is that gives him a rhythm. The reason why play-action pass is so effective, it separates the defense. And so the linebacker draws in, and you tell the quarterback you're throwing to him or to him. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Throw it here or there. But when you don't have that ability, when you're in a two-minute drill and everybody's dropping in the cut, and you got to read it out, middle of the field open, middle of the field closed, who, who do I throw it to? It becomes a harder game. And so he's just got to get more reps than that and then become accurate, and his decision-making has got to become faster. I think what we see with Daniel Jones 
from the Giants is Daniel Jones is not a fast processor. If it's open, he'll bang it. If he sees it, you know, on that drive that they went down and, and kicked the field goal late in the game, you know, he hits an in-cut. He got him in cover six. Bang, he ran a throw. He had the throws he knew he would make because he practiced them. But he's not a quick-minded guy. Mm. And you can see that on the tape when you're watching the game. Remember, what they throw in practice and what they throw in the game for some of these guys has to line up. Do you think that uh, this team is moving in the right direction as a whole? I mean, we knew they were going to go through some growing pains. Uh, but when you look at the youth movement and the veterans that have been holdovers, is this team moving in the right direction for the future? Well, I think, you know, I think they got to, you know, they're going to have to get a dominant blue chip defensive lineman. I mean, Fletcher yep. Cox is still their best. I mean, so the, the whole, but they believe that as an organization. So they're going to always replenish the defensive line. They're going to have to replenish the offensive line. We saw Kelsey get hurt. Herbert came in. He had two holding penalties. You know, one, he shouldn't even have to hold the guy on Boston Scott's touchdown. He should have just – he had the, the guy with the back was past him. But they're going to have to make sure that offensive line has got depth and talent in it. You know, the Dillard pick, you know, looks like, okay, they got a guy that's the seventh round. He's better than a guy in the first round. Who cares, right? Mm-hmm. Who cares? As long as you get a good player. So I think that's the key. But I think I think the Eagles know. I think the Eagles are going to be in the quarterback business because they know to win in this league, you must throw the ball effectively. Mm. And all you have to do is look 60 miles south in Baltimore. Hertz is never going to be as good as Lamar. He just isn't as talented as Lamar, athletically, arm strength, all those things. And Baltimore can't get to the game with Lamar. Mm. They can't get there. They haven't been able to get there yet. So if you go down this road, can you get there? I think the Eagles are smart enough to know that if the right guy's available in the in the draft or this year or next year, they'll go get him. Mm. Is Howie Roseman the right man to lead this team into the future? Well, I, I think I think again, as I said from the beginning of this, I think this is a collaborative effort by the organization. I think Jeffrey is, is an owner is involved, asking all the right questions, collaborate. You know, Tom Donahoe, all those people. You know, are you know, and so I think that the way the organization is set up, look, they're not going to come out and hire somebody and let this person come in and just pick all the players. That's just not what they're doing there. So that idea of, of a one man show in Philly is never how he understands it. He knows how the rhythms of the organization works. Plus, Jeffrey has faith in him. I mean, for somebody to have Jeffrey's faith is tremendous. Somebody else comes in there. It wouldn't work. If, Joe, if you brought Joe Douglas back, it, it may not work as well because he doesn't know the rhythms of the place. You know, that's not what the fan base wanted to hear, Mike. You know that. Well, I mean, look, it's, <laughs> you know, the fan base needs to understand that it's an organ. It's an organization. I mean, Howie's there for a reason. You know, I mean, yeah. most guys that you know, make bad picks get fired. You know, and most got I me mean, when when Howie got sent away. Most people would have gotten fully sent away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, like I said to you, I mean, I got fired after we had that great draft. So, yeah. and I got sent away. I didn't get put in another office and told to wait over here. Jeffrey really likes Howie. Mm. 
All right, before I let you go, because I know you're in short time, I'm going to take a quick trip around the NFL, if you will. Let's start with the AFC, because as I said at the top of this podcast, I think this year is as wide open as it's ever been uh, across the league. And, and I look at a team like New England. They're on a the rise. Kansas City looks like they're finally getting their footing back. I don't know what to make of a team like the Chargers or the Raiders. Baltimore's shown that they're vulnerable. I think in some ways Miami exposed Baltimore. Uh, do you have a clear-cut favorite in the AFC right now? I think you're right. I think Kansas City has quietly, since the second half of Washington, when they were losing 13-10, to 10, I think week five of the season in Washington, their defense has played much better. And eventually their offense will kick into gear. So I do think they're still the best team in the West. I think the Patriots, you know, still have a rookie quarterback. So what's their ceiling? How far can they go with a rookie quarterback? He's been sensational. He has played better than any rookie quarterback in this draft by far. Um, and he's really given them a lot of, a lot of future hope, I think. Buffalo with Josh Allen has to prove that they, A, can physically meet the challenge. I think Indianapolis punched them right in the mouth and said, here's mm -hmm. a good. Tennessee, I think, was really playing well until they lost all their team. I mean, they lose A.J. Brown. They lose Julio Jones. They lose Derrick Henry. Now it's becoming – now they're 8-4 and four in all these injuries. I think it's wide open. I still think Kansas City is the team to beat because they're playing so much better on defense now. Who's your sleeper in the AFC? Uh, you know, I, I would say New England would be a sleeper. I would never count them out because what, what Belichick's greatest strength is practice. But, you know, Belichick's going to, the team will always get better because the Patriots will always practice in pads every week. They will get better. And I think that those are the kind of teams that win in November and December and mm. January. So I think they're a sleeper. Certainly I, Baltimore to me, can't play pass defense. I think they are a real issue. They have problems. Uh, Cincinnati's offensive line, to me, will always problem. But it, it should come down to Buffalo, Kansas City, and New England. All right, let's go over to the NFC. Uh, Green Bay and Tampa Bay are the only teams in the NFL that have not lost a home game this season, but they do have some issues on both teams. You know, Tampa yeah. Bay is still the defending champion. Green Bay, how the Green Bay is 9-3 is a miracle in itself when you consider all the injuries they have. I don't know what to make of the Rams. They've lost three in a row now. Who's your favorite over in the NFC? I think it's Green Bay. I mean, that win against the Rams without half their team was really impressive. And I think Aaron Rodgers, if we separate the political end of COVID and just take him for what he does on the field on Sunday from one to four, he's the best player in the league. He and Brady have played by far the best. Tampa, to me, defensively, you can throw the football, you can beat Tampa. I mean, the Eagles threw the ball against Tampa. They moved the ball. They mm -hmm. ran the ball against Tampa. That was a closer game than the score indicated. Uh but I think I think Green Bay is really good. I, I think the Rams are front runners, Derek. I, I think the Rams are just you punch them in the mouth. I don't think they're coming back. They've got a lot of good players, but I mean, going in. I mean, they're on a three game losing streak, and and they haven't really. The only team they've beaten that's good is Tampa. They beat Tampa mm -hmm. in week three of the season. So, you know, to me, and I think Dallas. You know, Dallas is on a little bit of a spur, but that's because Dallas is kind of in this injury bug era. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they had CD Lamb last week. They're missing Cooper. Now they got a bunch of COVID players. So between Dallas, between you know, and then we didn't even talk about this team, and they're the number one seed right now is the Arizona Cardinals. Yep, I was going to ask you: Is I mean, Arizona le legit? They go into San Francisco with Colt McCoy and win. They go into Seattle with Colt McCoy and win. They beat the Rams at home. They won. They've won all their road games against their opponents. So for me, until somebody tells me they're not the best team, they're the best team. You all know, right. they yeah. dominated people. All right, who's your sleeper in the NFC? 
Uh, I think Dallas will be the sleeper. Okay. I mean, if Dallas is healthy, I think if, I, I don't know if you call him a sleeper, but Dal- if Dallas is healthy, they can they can play any way you want. If Zeke's healthy and they've got Pollard, they can go a long way. They're tough to play if their defense is is there. So, uh, you know, I don't think I mean Tampa's obviously really good. The West, I think Arizona's really good. The East, you know, is, is I think it, you know, but to me, it's it's got to be you know, Dallas would be the sleeper because I don't think anybody expected Dallas to be a Super Bowl contender. See, that's why I come to you, man. You have no idea how much I just learned in the last five minutes just listening to you, man. Oh, yeah. I appreciate that, Connor. Thank you. Hey, man, the last question to you, you know, do you still get approached and asked, are you related to Vince Lombardi? Every day, every time still? I hear my name. Still? They still think it, uh, <laughs> you know. You know, the, my favorite thing is when I used to call Sid Gilman, Al Davis would have me call Sid Gilman, you know, and ask him questions. And, and I would call down there, and his wife's name was Esther. She might answer the phone, and she would always I'd say, hi, this is Michael Lombardi from the Raiders. And she would always say, oh, and how's your grandfather? And, and I never told her that. And then it, it's Coach Gilman would get on the phone. And he would say, you know, your your grandfather was a great – and he would go into a five – and I learned a lot from him. Do you realize Sid Gilman at one time when he was the head coach of the San Diego Chargers had Al Davis and Chuck Knoll up in the box as assistant coaches? I did not know that. Wow. Uh, it's amazing. So, anyway, I still get it from – I mean, every day. It's, and, it's, and to me, the reason that I'm in the league is because of him, so it's flattering to get asked. Hey, Michael Lombardi, man, it's been a pleasure to chop it up with you. It's been way too long since we've talked, my friend. Thank you, buddy. And and touch. Yes, man, and hopefully I can hit you up down the road and, and, and get you back on Gun on One again, man. No doubt. No doubt. And send me your address, boy, and I'll send you a book. You're going you're gonna to get it uh, as soon as we get off this podcast. Hey, everybody, hey, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of Gun on One, the podcast. Hey, wherever you are, follow Michael Lombardi on his digital platform, his social media platforms, and get his book came out in 2018, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. Red Iron Genius. Yes. You can still get it online. You can still get it. It's out there. All right. Get his book as well. It's going to be a great read. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, until next time, as I always, tell you guys each and every week, uh, stay blessed out there. But more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter in your life. So until next time, I'm Derek Gunn. So long, everybody. of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Elvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Elvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.